This is the John Oakley Show podcast. On a great day for talk radio, look who's in the house. Midweek Wednesday, it's Swifty. Catherine Swift, the former president and CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business and current spokesperson for Working Canadians. Catherine, how are you? Great, John. Yourself? Likewise. Thank you, and uh, good to have you on board, along with Andrew Cash, the NDP MP candidate for Davenport, co-founder of the Urban Worker Project. How's Mr. Cash? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you coming in. Hey, I've got to ask you, just uh, because, you know, it's moved in the last hour or so, this... uh, Liberal-dominated ethics committee that was meeting up in Ottawa has shut down the proposal to have Mario Dion, the ethics commissioner, come and explain his findings uh, by a narrow vote of five to four. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) the narrowest of votes, who knew? Uh, But this one is going nowhere, I guess, as a consequence, or do you think maybe there's some fallout from the Liberals yet again shutting down uh, what were the plaintive cries of the NDP along with the Conservatives and even the Green Party? Elizabeth May suggesting, you know, uh, this is something that might even warrant Justin Trudeau having to step down. Uh, anything more than to uh, make of this whole issue, or are they just going to rag the puck and let it die here, Catherine? Well, I thought they're going to do their best to rag the puck and let it die. I don't believe they're going to be successful. I think there's a few shoes yet to drop on this. Uh, we know Jody Wilson-Raybould's book supposedly coming out in mid-September, and I'm sure that timing is not coincidental on her part. Uh, there's, you know, they're toying with the whole RCMP thing, whether, you know, go with that, um, and so on. And naturally, you know, the Conservatives and any other opposition parties will certainly try to keep it alive. I must say, though, I'm interested in all these polls that are suddenly coming out like mad, uh, being interpreted as somehow that Canadians don't care about this. I don't believe that for a second. And one of the polls I, I saw, of the several we've heard about in the last day or so, uh, showed that a quarter of Canadians only uh, f- believed that Trudeau deserved another chance. Uh, mind you, you got to wonder what's in the minds of those people because some of the disgraceful behavior of this government, I don't know how anybody can think they deserve another chance. But that being said, three quarters don't. So again, that's good for Trudeau? No, I don't think so. Well, you know who it should be good for? Uh, Jugmeet uh, Singh. It should be, he should be the beneficiary of all of this. And uh, yet, doesn't seem to be moving the needle. Andrew Cash, uh, you're running as... Uh, a potential MP for the mm-hmm. NDP. I mean, uh, do you think this thing deserves to die, or uh, would you give it more oxygen? Well, I think we need to really understand exactly what happened. You know, there's still a bunch of of information that was was kept guarded uh, by the uh, by um, the clerk of the Privy Council at the behest of the Prime Minister. You know, when I was an MP between 2011 and 2015, this stuff at committee used to drive me crazy where, you know, we have serious, the, the people's business to attend to in a public, um, in, a, in a public arena and the majority, and in that case, it was the conservatives, um, you know, which, which shut these things down. And, you know, the liberals promised they were going to do things differently, more transparency, uh, more, more, you know, more demo- democracy, if you will. And, and here we're seeing the exact same thing. In fact, uh, you know, this is a, a, a subject of, of, you know, very significant importance to Canadians. Uh, the commissioner answers directly to that committee, and that very committee chose not to, uh, not to have him appear before. I, I mean, I don't. It 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 just blows me away. It's well, banana republic territory. It, it, it really is banana. It, you know, it's how frightening. Do you think it's going to resonate with the Canadian well, public? I, I tell you what, I think is resonating with the Canadian public, 
and I, I say this because I'm out knocking on doors all the time. In fact, uh, this has been a great opportunity to rest my feet. Um, the, uh, the, the story really unmasked, in a way, the, this government's willingness to allow uh, a very powerful corporation with a, with a, a history of, of corruption uh, to run the show. And Canadians have seen, um, this is how we're governing ourselves? This is what, uh, you know, doing things differently really means? And so I think for a lot of people, there's a real question about, about, uh, about Mr. Trudeau's authenticity, to put it lightly. All right. Uh, whether or not that continues to resonate through the campaign, we'll find out soon enough. But uh, they shut the committee down earlier today. Within the last hour or so, we were notified. Let's move on. We've got Catherine Swift with us and Andrew Cash. Uh, this is our midweek roundtable. Got to ask, by the way, uh, speaking of uh, liberal perfidy, uh, what, what do you make of the former Ontario Liberal Cabinet Minister Michael Chan? Uh, being simpatico with and, uh, I guess, taking up the position at a pro-Beijing rally against uh, protesters, you know, that were supportive of the Hong Kong folk. Uh, I mean, Canada's in a, a sticky wicket with the Chinese communist dictatorship, and this guy's cast his lot with them. Does that make sense to you, Catherine? No, it makes zero sense, but uh, I've always been quite... Uh astounded by the liberal in general. It's not just him. That was the latest example, I guess. Uh, Liberals' tolerance for China and its thuggish practices, which have gone on for quite a long time now. I don't know if you're aware of this, John, but in the last few days we heard that this is the federal liberals in Ottawa actually waived some tariffs on some steel imports from China to permit them to take $42 billion worth of business away from Canadian steel the steel industry uh, in the a number of big LNG projects. What in what in earth are they doing doing stupid stuff like that? The, 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 this steel was dumped into Canada just to you know give you an example, uh, and and they're waiving tariffs to permit. These Chinese uh, producers of steel, who aren't subject, by the way, to carbon taxes and all the things that the Canadian producers have to uh, have to deal with, so it 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 basically deals our Canadian steel people out of the of that particular market. Anyway, we see an amazing tolerance for Chinese uh, malfeasance and and horrible behavior uh, at a time when China is smacking us upside the head every time we turn around, whether it's our economy, two people held effectively on death row in China, and. And in so many, and I understand they just took a shot at Christia Freeland as well. Right. Uh, what what kind of punching bag are we anyway? And why don't we punch back a bit? Well, you know, and this is just a quick aside here because uh, Andrew Cash uh, in for Buzz today, by the way. And I was going to put this to Buzz, but Andrew, it's just fortuitous you're here as well as the co-founder of the Urban Worker Project. Uh, there's a film that the Obamas, Michelle and Barack Obama, purchased at Sundance, and uh, I guess it uh, debuted last year at uh, TIFF, it's uh, about reverse globalization. There's a company that bought up the GM, defunct GM plant in 2015 in Dayton, Ohio. It's a Chinese concern. One of the richest guys in China, it's, uh, you know, auto glass. And uh, it turns out that basically the American workers are feeling like they're the foreign workers in the plant in Dayton because they brought over a lot of Chinese workers. How does that work? I mean, even here, we had that issue out in the oil sands, you know, when the uh, Mm -hmm. Chinese concern, I guess the big Sino uh, oil company, decided they wanted their own workers to fulfill uh, all of those uh, labor requirements. Should we be allowing that? Well, you know, this is what happens when we let corporations take over everything. You know, 
what's the difference really between uh, an American company that closes up their shop or a Canadian company for that matter and goes to China because uh, they can get labor cheaper and we let that happen? What's the difference between that and allowing a Chinese company to come in and just hire Chinese workers that presumably are getting paid less than American workers? Um, what, what we really need to do is, is start to actually really protect our workers. Well, how come there's no laws against that? I, I would think that there, that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, am I missing something here? I mean, yeah. there is a difference. I mean, obviously, through globalization, you uh, set up your your manufacturing plant in China, and then you ship it back here. And domestically, Chinese workers work the plant there. But mm-hmm. if China mm-hmm. sets up a plant here, mm-hmm. uh, then you would think domestically, Canadian workers get the assignment. Yeah, you know, this is part of a model that I think China is using throughout the uh, uh, throughout the world right now. In Africa, they're doing exactly the same thing, and so it really it really underlines just you know the direction of of our domestic economies and how tied we are to these global trade deals and you know people always say oh you know the ndp you're against every trade deal you know when we look at what's happened you know the 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 decimation of our manufacturing uh, sector the decimation of the us manufacturing sector we we do have to say hey hold on something about these global trade deals is not working Catherine, I'll let you get in here real fast. Do you think that uh, this makes sense? If you've got a company, the Chinese set up a company in Canada, they get to call the tune as to who fulfills? No, I don't think it is, and I think it's quite unique to China, too. I mean, to pretend that all corporations are the same is ludicrous, uh, and, and this is part of the problem. No, but this I don't is know a how they're doing outcome. it legally. I don't know how they're... Is, is this a temporary foreign worker? You know what I mean? What mm. is the legal mechanism? I'm not sure what the answer to that is, but I, I'd like to know that. Is this a temporary foreign worker thing? Because unless, let's face it, you can't just bring somebody in from any country holus bolus and and put them in a you know they have to have some kind of legal status to do so so i would re- i do remember the case in canada and but it didn't happen because it, it wasn't it was deemed not permissible right. so no, but, you know why but, is it happening in the u.s but I don't a know. version of it is happening in in terms of our temporary foreign worker program where uh you know employers can't get uh workers uh to work for minimum wage in certain jobs and we have temporary foreign workers working those jobs. So the so what's the the answer there? I mean, you know, the answer is really we need to pay our workers more. Well, you know, it's <laughs> interesting you mention that because in my own neighborhood, I'm actually going we need for to get people off EI more too, and they could well take a job. But that's a that's another discussion, perhaps. Well, here the other day, walking in my neighborhood, uh, the local coffee shop had a sign in the window: uh, "Closed temporarily due to a labor shortage because we can't find adequate employment uh, or employees." I mean, how realistic or practically? I mean, you used to head the Canadian yeah, Federation yeah. of are small business owners crying about this. There's, well, I, there there is a reasonably we're we're at the peak of a business cycle right now, and typically at the piece of peak of a business cycle, you do have fairly full employment. I mean, again, I mean, in Canada, we have a very generous EI system, for example, where we know in certain regions, in particular, uh, EI is like a revolving door. You know, Sorry, if, can, I, I, can I? I have to say, in Toronto, about you know. 20 to 25% of those that actually pay into EI are ever eligible for EI. It's far from a revolving door, and, it, and well, it's it never I, I enough in, in Toronto to for anyone to stay on it for that long because, you know, it, not you in know Toronto. It's, ex, it's expensive to live here. Not you, in Toronto, you, you but in certain parts it. of the country, notably where unemployment is chronically high, 
EI is much easier to get, and what that does is maintain EI chronically high. There, I remember business owners, and in, in, again, in certain regions, uh, small business owners that could never get anybody to work past their qualifying period for EI. So it was very like like you're saying, the coffee shop person or whatever, uh, you know, is 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 um, left holding the bag. Close but, shop. All right, uh, let's come back. There's uh, other things I wanted to address here while I've got your attention. Catherine Swift, Andrew Cash on the Oakley Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. On a great day for talk radio, we're 10 minutes away from the top of the hour in a news update on the other side. Mark Stein, international best-selling author, host of The Mark Stein Show, is going to weigh in on various and sundry. We've got a topics-worthy of discussion panel as well. You know, we were just having a discussion off-air about the upcoming uh, debate, I guess, that uh, is going to be one of the... Watershed moments, perhaps, of the election campaign, and uh, the panel that's going to be uh, talking this thing is uh, comprised all of women, you were telling me, Catherine Swift, mm-hmm. and the names that uh, pop out all seem, <laughs> as a matter of record, uh, four of the five anyway, I guess, or three of the four, uh, tend to suggest that there's not a whole lot going on with this SNC-Lavalin scandal, much ado about very little, uh, more simpatico to, I guess, the liberal position on all of this. How does that go? Well, we again, how did they get chosen? I'm not sure, uh, but it, it looks so cooked. It looks so very cooked. And a lot of people on social media that I saw were saying, well, you know, it's pretty well a foregone conclusion that Trudeau gets slipped all the questions so that he can have all his pat, you know, answers memorized, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Which, again, given the given the, this, this very pro-liberal group, I could care less if they're men, female, you know, I, I could care less what that part of it is, but it's incredibly biased. And I, I, I just hope it's like an incestuous relationship this, the, with, the, with you've got Diaz uh, hooked into the, you know, the media uh, journalist situation, plus this council that's giving out money to, to uh, be, you know, to media. And then we have this kind of a panel for the debates or these moderators for the debate and so on. It, it just looks like we're living in a banana republic. It's, it's, it's frightening. And I, I hope it, it rebounds on their credibility big time because it should some journalists have come out and said that they find this, you know, all very suspect uh, uh, in, in many different ways, the, the, the coziness with the liberals and the journalist unions and so on and so forth. But Canadians should be appalled. And I, I sure hope that there's some big upsets on those debates uh, because it, it looks as if the fix is in and that should worry everybody. Well, you referenced uh, Jerry Diaz and we were talking about that yesterday because, uh, Andrew, I mean, obviously uh, running for the NDP, there's a certain... Uh, you work in concert with the unions. The fact that, you know, Unifor uh, represents 12,000 journalists and uh, that he's going on this fatwa, uh, going to pour in the uniform money against Andrew Scheer, doesn't that tend to compromise the integrity of some of these journalists? I mean, it's not at arm's length, I'm, I'm guessing. And the fact, too, that uh, Unifor is part of the eight-member panel that suggests where the $600 million uh, media fund goes to, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to uh, find the journalists that are appropriate for this and vet them. Uh, don't you see something tainted about that process? Well, what I what I would say, first of all, is Jerry's doing what he's got to do. He's trying to protect jobs. That's his job, right? He sees that the conservatives under Andrew Scheer is decidedly anti-union, and that's in general. And I think that, uh, you know, He's not going to be the only union leader who's going to be, uh, you know, publicly fighting against uh, the conservatives in this federal election. Um, so there's that. 
as far as journalists go, I know that uh, you know journalists within the um, within the union have expressed concern, uh, and and I think that's well taken. But I also think that for the head of the largest private sector union in the country, you know, I didn't love that he was uh, you know uh, making uh, making nice with uh, with Justin Trudeau on the one hand, but I understand. Uh, that he's uh, he's out to protect the jobs of his members, and this is the the way he thinks. Uh, this is the way he thinks he needs to do it. All right. Uh, finally, I've got to ask because uh, this is something that uh, I guess the liberals are going to have to uh, handle during the campaign. This jihadi Jack guy, <coughs> Jack Letts. I mean, you know, he's uh, right now held by the Kurds, and uh, he's been stripped of his British citizenship. His father. Uh, was imploring the prime minister to bring him home. It's like Jean Valjean, you know, Les Mis. Uh, he's just a boy. And so uh, what do we do with him? Because he, he really hasn't set foot in Canada. He wasn't born here. He was born in the U.K. Uh, how do they square this one, Catherine? I don't know, but it looks good on them because uh, the the stupid uh, expression of Canadians, a Canadian is a Canadian that Trudeau came up with is now coming back to bite him, and deservedly so. Um, and you're right, the guy's never set a foot in Canada ever. I, I, I saw something somewhere today that said his parents were actually thinking of moving here sure. uh, to, to try to, you know, grease the wheels here to get their son approved. And the UK wasn't stupid. They, they moved and, uh, you know, took his citizenship away. And so, uh, you know... The, doesn't make our government look any doesn't good at all. And again, they've they've been asleep at the switch, and I guess this is just the latest example of it. So if we get stuck with them, uh, it'll it'll be a lot of egg on the face of the government. And again, they've asked for it, so they're going to get it. All right. Some see it as uh, almost something that's uh, irreconcilable. You've got to just uh, make a stand and uh, maybe bring him home and then try him here for seditious activity or whatever else. Andrew Cash, how would you vote in that regard? Well, you know, I think that if, if we think like 30 years ago, the, the job of, uh, of the Canadian government would be to protect Canadians, right, and Canadian citizens. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, I, I think that that is uh, very important. But I think what's dangerous is now Jihadi Jack is one thing, and I believe this is like it's sort of like a – you know, a straw straw man argument here because the the real the larger issue really is, and it started under Harper, is can we you know get rid of people we don't want, or we decide in in retrospect, hey, well, maybe if- you've got citizenship, but maybe maybe there's a way we can strip you of your citizenship, and I think that that principle, right, of stripping people of citizenship. It, that principle is a is a very slippery slope that well, we have to be very careful. About. It's only if they're dual, and, and many countries don't permit dual citizenship. No, that's period. True. So that's true. they don't even get into this uh, mess. So the Brits mm-hmm. beat us to the punch. Uh, <laughs> they pulled the trigger on that and left us holding the bag. And so here we are, twisting in the wind. All right. Well, I just thought I'd ask you, uh, as a matter of course, there are so many things of interest here this afternoon. Mm-hmm. I always appreciate your weighing in on the Wednesday, Catherine Swift former head of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, Andrew Cash, NDP MP candidate for Davenport, co-founder of the Urban Worker Project. Thank you both. Thank you, John. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.